Good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you guys for being part of today. I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. What a day. Isn't it beautiful outside? Yeah, yeah it's a great day. So um, enjoy the traffic later this afternoon. So, uh, yeah, it's already this morning. Yeah, I, I hear that. Yeah. Hey, um, um, we have uh, 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 a lot of stuff that's been going on here at, 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 at Mariner's Church and a lot of fun stuff that are happening, a lot of good things are happening. One of the best things that happens is when you're able to see somebody who has been ministered to throughout their lives, their young lives, and they grow up, and then they all of a sudden they start serving and ministering to others. And that was that was Grayson up here um, this morning. She grew up in our program. Yeah. And um, and and thankfulness to to you because when when you know she was dedicated, you know, we as a church family said we want to model what it means to live for Christ here in her life so that she might grow to be everything that God wants her to be, and that, that's happening here. One of the things that um, um, we do here is we have a, a really vibrant children's program, and, it, and it's great. One of the things that we're going to talk about is having more people be involved in it to make it even better than, than it is. So we're going to see a video um, in just a second. This one is directed to you men, and so I'm going to ask you guys to pay, pay special attention to what we're going to be showing. So go ahead and, and look one, at that. Hey, let's hit two. it. We have many um, single parents in our church, and especially single moms, and we really want to see those kids grow up with a man who loves Christ, who has a desire to share Christ with them. I was 13 when I came to the church. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't understand what this faith thing was. When I grew into my faith, I decided that it would probably be a better decision to involve other men just because as um, I was getting to know my father, I didn't know where he stood. What we need is people who have Christ in their life that want to come alongside these kids and help them. Uh, be near them, listen to them, talk to them about your experiences, um, just be a presence in their life. Whether it's their dad or whether it's their, um, just a friend or a buddy that they can come and have a special relationship at church, um, just to see a man who has, is growing in Christ so that they can look up to and see them growing in Christ too. We have a lot of kids that come from a lot of different walks of life and many of them maybe don't have a strong male presence in their life. Uh, many of them may um, have a father figure who is distant or not present. Um, and even for kids that do, having a, a male presence in their life that is not parent is very, very critical to their growth. The spiritual leaders in my life, the men in my life, uh, made a difference. That running away from what was going on in my life, you know, wasn't the answer that I needed. You know, it was the love of the surrounding uh, faith followers and, and, and Mariners has definitely led me to definitely believe in me that I am loved and cherished. Whether it be a small group leader or even just a greeter and welcoming kids with a friendly face, um, it would be a great honor to have men like you join us. There are kids and we want you to be a part of their spiritual journey. Men, uh, men like challenges, and so guys, it's our time to step up. Um, when you look at the roster of those servants that work with our children and even with our youth ministry, and this is true throughout the whole church in America, the vast majority of those that work with children or youth are what? 
women. I don't get that. I don't understand that, guys. So we can be part of shaping these young kids' lives, particularly with a lot of single moms that are just begging to say, would there be a male presence in their life that could model what it means to live for Jesus Christ? And so, guys, I'm going to invite you to just take a second, to, uh, um, not a second now, but, um, well, sure, let's do it right now. So let's pray. Can we pray right now? God, thank you for um, the message that you would give us to be involved in passing on what we know to uh, the next generation. And God, I, I would pray for the men here, and I know that there are some that are feeling your tug on their hearts to get involved to help change another kid's life. And so you just move in them through this. And uh, now we thank you, God, for time that we can spend in your word, and you'd bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much. Today we start a whole new series. We're calling it Better. Um, this message series is better, and some of you very astute people may remember that a few months ago we did another series called It's Better. You know, It's Better. And, 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 and so we can ask why this one. Well, it's because at Mariners, things just keep getting what? They just keep getting better. So let's just talk about better all, all year long. Actually, the reason is God does want your life to be better, our lives to be better in all ways. Now, most importantly, to connect to him in the deepest way through Jesus Christ. That is the most critical way in which your life, your life will just simply completely alter and, and change in a great way. Also, to connect with each other, that makes your life better. And to grow emotionally healthier. We've been looking at hiding from love the past few weeks, and he wants that to happen. It makes our life better. And then to be the people he's designed us to be. Now, when you look in the Bible, and, and sometimes people will just kind of flip through, and if you flip through, you're going to find some parts of the Bible that are called Proverbs or that are called just simply sayings, and those sayings will have things that are very practical suggestions on how our lives can be what? Better, better, on how to make our lives better. And, and in this series we're calling Better, we're going to look at four or five of these so that things will just simply improve and get better in our lives. For instance, we're going to be looking at this one, first one that says, better one handful with peace than two with strife. We're going to be talking about that, in fact, today. We're going to be looking at wisdom being better than gold, wisdom better than gold. We're going to talk about a good name is better than fine perfume and what that means in our lives, and also to better to live in a deserted or desert than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. I will be out of town for that message, sir, just to let you know. <laughs> We're not going to do that one, by the way. I value my life too much for that. Now, a quick warning, um, just a quick warning for, for these as we go through them. It's really easy to kind of shake these off, you know, to say, yeah, 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 I get it. Just like a penny saved is a penny earned. I've heard it, been there, done that, you know, let's, let's just simply move on. Or a stitch in time, what? Saves nine, got it, good, good. Let's just simply put that one on an embroidery thing and put it on our couch. Uh, there's more to these than that. Uh, my expectation and my hope, for me even, and for, for all of us, as well, is that, you know, I will be sensitive to what God wants to say to me, and I will not just simply shelve these things away, but they will make a marked difference in the way I view life, because they were designed that way. They were designed for us to have a whole different perspective on what life is and all about, and so it's not just simply a pithy saying, but it's a life trajectory change that God would want for us. 
So let's take a look at the first one, okay? The first one is better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Now, it's going to be talking about a couple things, okay? And, 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 and even though you may not say I'm not a Bible scholar, you can begin to pull what it's talking about out of it, can't you? You know, you read it and it makes sense to you. You see that word tranquility, okay? You see the word toil, you know, so it's talking about peace. It's talking about working too crazily. I see that one is better than two. So there's a comparison that's going to be going on here. And, and really kind of what he's saying is one with peace is better than two with, with craziness, Okay? One with peace is much better than two with, with crazy life. So it's going to talk about stuff, okay? It's talking about stuff, one versus two. Now, in, in, our, in our world, if one is two, I'm sorry, if one is good, two is what? Two is better, right? Isn't it? One is good, two is better. One is good, two is better. You go through Safeway, you know, and you're, you're looking and you have to buy Comet Cleaner, you know, and you have one that's there for the regular price, and then you have one for the same price, only there's 30% more. Which one do you buy? There you go, because if, if this one is good, then this much is what? It's just better. That's just kind of the way it is. That's true about candy, you know. If one, one bag is good, two's better, right? Shoes. If one shoe is good, two's essential, right? Okay, there we go. If one pair is good, two's better. Money. Food, you know, supersize me, you know, make it happen, you know. If this is good, if this much is good, then this much is always going to be better. True confession, um, I love running shirts, okay. I love running shirts. Don't, don't ask me why, I just do. They're lightweight, they wick away sweat, you know, and all that. And give me a reason to buy one and I will what? I'll buy one. You know, just give me any reason. Well, I had that reason. Um, this is about a year and a half ago. I dropped my daughter off at school. Well, moved her into her dorm, you know, first year. You know, she's going away to school, all that kind of stuff. And, and so what she said is just kind of as we're kind of, kind of moving through the whole maneuvering. Those of you that are parents that have kids going away to college in the future, deal with it. Man, it's tough. It's tough. So we're kind of maneuvering through the ultimate goodbye. And she said, Dad, I'd really just love to go for a run with you. Everybody say what? Oh, yeah, one last time there, so, oh, yeah. Well, I didn't bring my running stuff with me, so I had to go out and buy a what? Running shirt, you know, oh, yes, you know, I can go buy a running shirt. So I went into Target really quick, you know, and I, and, I, and I grabbed one, and I thought it was just a normal running shirt, just like you know, a normal shirt, got off the thing, and, and I came back and brought it back to the dorm. Now, the only place I had to change was, and this will get a little detail, was because it's a girl's dorm, you know, you just don't change anywhere in a, in a girl's dorm, and they had kind of like a common bathroom for parents, all that kind of stuff, but it was next to the lobby, and there are all kinds of parents and kids and girls mingling there, so I went in the bathroom, and, and I'm, I'm changing into this, this running shirt. Do you know what a compression running shirt is? <laughs> yeah, I got one of those, okay? I got one, one of those. Compression running shirt is, <laughs> you know, it sucks, it sucks everything into you, you know? And I'm, and I'm trying to get this thing on. I'm thinking, this is not right. Well, I got one two sizes too small, okay? <laughs> two sizes. And so it's like, ah, you know, ah, I got to walk out there. And go. So I walk out, you know, shrink-wrapped and vacuum-packed, you know, coming out on this. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe, you know, on this. And so my poor daughter looked at me and said, well, Dad, I hope you can keep up with me because I'm way ahead of you on the whole, the whole run. Running shirts, if I see one on sale for five bucks, I'll buy what? I will buy two, because you never know when you're going to need an extra what? Running, running shirt. Now, this verse is inspired by God through the pen of a guy who should know 
Solomon had everything, everything that anyone would ever want and need. And he's reflecting back on life, saying, okay, I've seen it all. And if anyone has authority to speak upon having too much versus having too little, with peace versus tranquility versus toil, it's going to be him. He had more than a lot. And he said this, look, I've experienced this. One handful sometimes is a whole lot better than two. Better is one handful with peace than two with trying to kill yourself. Um, I like the way it's put, one handful versus two. In the language that he would use, actually, he uses two different words for one handful and two handfuls. The one handful is kind of more of a relaxed openness, filled. The other one is two tightly fisted things grabbing on, and it senses tension and toil. Just work on yourself to the bone to get, to get the two. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to get this one because it's talking about, here we go, what's important in life. It's talking about, and it should cause us to begin to evaluate what things are going to be important in life. We can go crazy busy trying to get stuff, and this is what he's saying, only to miss out on life. Now Jesus affirms this. He says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. You know, every kind of greed. How many kinds of greed are, are there? I thought, I thought there was just one kind of greed, M- more, you know, more stuff, more money, more running shirts, you know. But there's another kind of greed, and this is like having more than the other guy. And this is what, this is what Ecclesiastes says a little bit before. It says, I observe that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. This too is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Have you ever noticed when your neighbor gets a new car, um, all of a sudden you start looking at your car? You know, you look at your car. And you begin to think through, I wonder if it's time for me to think about getting a new car. You know that? Or you hear a relative, they take a, take a fancy vacation, and you just think, well, I wonder if maybe if it's not time for us to think about doing that kind of thing. So Jesus says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Amazing statement, isn't it? Life is not measured by how much you own. And you can translate that into title on your desk or or your your door or degrees after your name. Life isn't measured that way, not measured that way at at all. So where does this take us? Um, A a couple ways. One is, is I think for all of us, we have to define very clearly what does matter in life. Very clearly do we have to define what matters in life. I think that's our responsibility before God. So we don't screw it up. So we don't mess it around. And I'm convinced that God wants us to be rich toward what really matters, even if it means we have less. Okay? It's better to have a little of what does matter than a whole lot of what doesn't. This, this story is true. I know both the guys. Not that all the stories they tell are fake, you know, but this one really is true. Okay? Pastor... I know um, he had developed key guys for leadership roles in his church to help the ministry grow. I mean, key guys. He really invested himself in, in, in men in the church. And one guy was, was great. I mean, actually doing 
a lot within the, the role of the church family. He was discipling young men, helping them become strong in faith. Business, he was, he was a broker, lumber broker. He did, he did lumber brokering, and, and he was quite good at that as well, poured himself into that as well. And, and, and financially, they were beginning to kind of make it. And, and um, his, he, he worked mainly off the phone, you know, a computer and phone. And so it really he didn't have an office, and so as a result, he could live pretty much what? where he wanted to go, you know? And he realized, I don't have to live in the city. You know, I have to live in the city where things are really expensive around here. And I can move actually out into the country and with what I'm paying for mortgage, I can have a really big house, a lot bigger house and a whole lot more property than I have right now, you know? Now, this is not something that's unique to us and to what we think about, you know? We live in the most expensive area in in. in the universe, I think, you know, it's just massive here, you know, and so we would think through the fact that, man, if I were to move to so-and-so, such-and-such a place, I could have this many more square feet and this much acreage, and I could be able to do this or this or this or this. We think that all the time, and so we said, you know, I don't have to live in a place like this. I can move out to the country, have a big house on land for what I'm paying here, and my friend said this, my pastor friend said this, and, and, and he's really smart, really wise. He said this, well, what about church? What about church? This is the person's response, and, and honestly, it's the response that most of us would have. His response is, I can always, what? Find another church. I can always find another church. Heck, you know, there are a dime a dozen. You know, there's churches here, 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 and here. Here's what my, my friend's response was. Yes, but this church can't find another you. Okay, do you understand? All of a sudden now, the biblical concept of we are part of the ministry and the movement of God that he's called us to, how that begins to come into play here. Do you understand how this is a bit different way to look at things? I think it's a little bit healthier way to look at things as well, isn't it? To realize, wait a second, there's a whole other value set that needs to come in here. And it's not just simply that I can have a bigger house where I'm paying here. It's that I have value and a calling to a body of which I am a member here. Now, I'm not guilting you on if you move away. You know, there's nothing like that implied here. It's just for us to begin to think through that which God is calling us to do. And, and I guess if I were to ask all of us to write out, you know, what really matters, we'd all pretty much write the same thing. God matters. Living for God matters. Pleasing God, serving God, family, kids, you know, my kids knowing Christ, helping others grow in Christ. We probably would not put on our list what type of countertops we have in our kitchen, okay? Or the number of Twitter followers we have, or how many Pokemon characters we found, or our high score on Angry Birds. You know, we probably wouldn't put that down. But we have to then begin to think through what really should be absorbing my mental time and energy. Because this is what the Bible is asking us to do. Read it again. One handful with tranquility, then two handfuls with toil. Chasing after the wind. I kind of love that statement, chasing after the wind. Isn't it, isn't it appropriate? You know, you can't, you can't chase after the wind. I mean, you can try. You'll never get anywhere because it just keeps coming. And even if you could, quote, catch it, you open your hands and what? It's gone. And he's saying so much of life that absorbs us is doing nothing but chasing after the wind. So we have to let go of what doesn't matter. Let go of those things that don't matter. The writer of Hebrews says, let us throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And what he's talking about here is that there's a race that God has set apart for us. If you ever run cross country, you know what he's talking about. There's a course that's marked for you, and you make the turn where you make the turn. The term throw off actually is the term that you would use if a bug flew into your hair. You'd do what? You'd grab it and you'd fling it. And what he's saying is if there's stuff in your life that's hindering you from walking the walk or running the race that God has set for you, grab it and toss it. Any and every thing. And, and if there's something that will creep into your life and say, hey, what about that? You haven't done that yet. You haven't done this yet. What he's saying is evaluate that based on what God would, would want. I have a friend, um, a good friend of mine, and, and, and he wants to take a, 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 a tour of Italy, you know, a trip of Italy. And, um, you know, he asked if, if Lisa and I could go, you know, want to go. And, and um, his statement was, was this. I was kind of hemming and hawing, hawing and he said, um, you know, everybody has to see Italy. And my response in my mind was, no, everyone doesn't have to see Italy. You know, two handfuls of Italy, and I'm not against Italy, by the way. If you go to Italy, great. Good for you. God bless you. I love your food and all that kind of stuff. I'm not against Italy. And if God allows you to go to Italy, go to Italy. You know, don't think I'm knocking against any kind of travel or tour or anything like that. Believe me, I'm not. But honestly, two handfuls of Italy may not be better than one handful of something that helps somebody else, okay? What he's asking us to do is evaluate those things that are important. And if you have the freedom before Christ, and this is why the goal is getting you close enough to Jesus that you know exactly what's okay and what's not okay for you, that, that's great. I have a bucket list. You guys have bucket lists? Anyone of you have bucket lists? You know, bucket list? you know what a bucket list is? Bucket lists are all the things you want to do before you kick the what? Kick the bucket before you die. You know, you kick the bucket out of the movie, you know, with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, who has the best voice in humanity. But anyway, um, I have a bucket list like you. The question is, what if I never get them done? What if I could never get them done? The response is what? So what? So what? And when we look at our bucket lists, they, they tend to be, I'm going to do this, I'm going to hang glide, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go here, I'm going to visit here, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. An awful lot about what? About us. Um, what's on your bucket list? Um, how about, um, I would like to be able to take three weeks of my life and bring my family down to Mexico so they do nothing but serve Jesus down there. Is that on your bucket list? Because I would think that's one handful of tranquility than two handfuls of striving after it. How about I would like to be at the point by the time I'm 50 that I'm giving 30% of my income away for Jesus. Is that on your bucket list? See, we tend not to think in those terms, do we? And we kind of have those ideas, and again, I'm not trying to produce guilt. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm trying to get us to get so close to God that he begins to direct our paths and what we do and our will and our desire stems completely from our our drive to live our lives for him. Because I always think for this life, bucket list and and all that, this, this little life is a little life. You know, it's just a very little short time. These 70 or 80 or 90 years that we have is very short. 
versus the forever that we have with God. And, I, and I've always, not always, but I came to the conclusion that this little short life is not to be lived for me, but to live for Christ, who loved me and gave himself up for me. The next life's for me. You follow that? The forever is for me. And so sometimes I think, and I get into these little traps of thinking, man, you know, I would really love to fish Alaska. You know, I'd really love to fish Alaska. Bucket list. Okay. I'd really love to do this. What if I never do that? Can I live with that? Well, I know that on the other side here, um, if there's an Alaska, I'll actually catch fish up there. Do you follow? The Bible says, um, for you've died. Your life is hidden with Christ. God, the life you now live in the flesh, you live by faith, the Son of God who loved you and delivered himself up for you. This life is for God. You know, this one's for God. The next one, the next one, God says, I'll give this one to you, and this one's going to last a really long time. So fight for what matters in your life. I mean, really fight for it. Um, I think we've got to fight because there are a million things out there that will fight for time and for money. They really, really will. Listen to this one. This is out of Timothy. Paul writing to a, a young man in ministry. He says, physical training's of some value. Okay, jazzercise, yoga, you know, the gym. It's of some value. Godliness has value in all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And then he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. If we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Throw on your bucket list being content. I want to be content now. Rick Warren said this, if you have just enough time, you have just enough time to do God's will. If you can't get it all done, it means you're trying to do more than God intended you to do. Or possibly you're watching too much TV <laughs> on that. Cool verse. God's made everything beautiful in its time. Set eternity in our hearts. So there's that sense of eternal that's there. And that we can ask, does this make a difference? Will this make a difference in eternity? Neil Simon um, wrote a play uh, called The Out-of-Towners. Um, any of you ever see the original movie with Jack Lemmon and Sandy Dennis? Much better than the remake um, with Steve Martin and um, Goldie Hawn. And it's about a couple from Ohio, and they are in New York, so we can interview for a great job, okay? And from the get-go, they encounter nothing but problems. The out-of-towners are definitely from Ohio, trying to work their way into to Manhattan, New York, and figure that all out. It's funny, and yet it's very pointed um, at the end. And the end, he interviews for the job that's going to be there in New York, and, and he tells his wife, and, 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 and here's the dialogue, okay? Here's the dialogue goes back. He says this, after the interview, he comes back and, and she's in the hotel. He says, Gwen, they want me. Vice presidency, double the salary. They'll find us an apartment and our choice of schools for the kids and seats for the Giants games and a season's ballet subscription. The crazy about me, broken tooth and all. You know, he busted his tooth in the Manhattan thing. Her response is, what did you say? What did I say? What do you think I said? She says, I don't know. I was hoping you would say no. I was hoping you'd say you and your wife don't belong in New York. You wanted to live your life in Ohio. 
that you never wanted to see another big city, that you don't want to live here or in Chicago or San Francisco or any other place where people have to live on top of each other and they don't have enough room to walk or breathe or smile, that you were through traveling on trains with no seats or food, flying on planes with no place to land and no luggage waiting for you, and, and you wished you never came, and the only thing you really want was to pick up your wife and carry her to the airport and fly home and live happily ever after. That's what I was hoping you would say, George. He responds and says this. That's funny. That's what I told him. Word for word. Isn't that cool? Better is one handful with life than two with craziness and chasing after the wind. That's what the Bible's telling us. Better is one handful in a good marriage than a promotion that begins to tear your marriage apart. Better is one handful of discipling a kid on Monday night than all the Monday night footballs you're ever going to watch. Better is one handful and changing someone's life than world travel. Better is a week in Mexico serving orphans and finally making it to the South Pole. Better is one handful and influence than popularity. Better is one handful and a great relationship with God than binge-watching the latest Netflix rerun. You see what it's telling us to do? It's telling us to reevaluate. None of those things I mentioned, believe me, are sinful, okay? They're not. But they should cause us all to just simply pause and say, okay, God, who am I? Who are you? And what have you called me to be and do here? Because it's infinitely better to have less of what doesn't matter than more than it does. Inviting the worship team, would you guys come on up? We would like to just simply, as we are going to be taking the Lord's Supper in just a moment, we would we be preparing our hearts for that. And so I'm going to invite you to bow with me, if you would, please, just for a moment. Please don't get me wrong, the things that I mentioned. I love this life, and I still love running shirts, and they're okay. But I want to buy them in Christ's name. Being mindful of why I'm here and who I am and what he's called me to be and do. Trips are fine. Take them. Be mindful of who you are, what God has called you to be and do. Father, help us to evaluate life in light of eternity, in light of your love for for us, in light of just your calling on our lives. Father, give us one handful with peace, tranquility, joy, all the things that we really want in life because maybe sometimes they come from having only one handful, and that's okay. Father, I would ask that you'd bless us as we work these things out. Right now, Lord, as we take what's called the Lord's Supper, we would remember deeply 
your sacrifice for us. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The song that Grayson sang, man, the theology behind that is really cool. There's one phrase that, that's in it that I wrote down. She sang, if you left the grave, speaking to Jesus, if you left the grave behind you, so will I. You hear that? Jesus, if you left the grave behind you, if you walked away from it and you give me that, so can I. That which stresses us out the most is, I don't have a lot more time in this life. But we have eternity. The grave lost. And the elements we're going to take now are symbolic of what Jesus did in order to beat death and beat sin for us, for you. The bread that we're going to take symbolizes what Jesus would say. This is my body, meaning I, God Almighty, came down to earth, came down, and took on flesh and blood. So Jesus said, this is my, what, body. The cup we take symbolizes his blood. Sin Sin needs punishment. Someone needs to be punished for sin. You can be punished for your own sin and good luck with that one. Or you can actually give it to Jesus and he will say, I'll take the sin and the punishment that goes along with it. Taking the elements does not make you a Christian. It doesn't. It symbolizes the decision you've already made in your heart to follow Jesus. And I pray that you've done that. And if you have questions about that, please talk to us. Worship team is going to sing a song right now, and as they do, uh, collect your thoughts, come on up and take a cup and, and, and a cracker, and then go out to your seat and hold on to them. And um, we're going to pause the song, and then we'll take together as a family. So Jesus' table is now open for us. Pray. 
song that they sang talking about the resurrection if he just stayed in the grave we got nothing you know like that we got nothing we just got a bunch of promises that somebody made that can't make them work but again the words of that song if you left the grave behind you what so lie it's all lie death got beat because the wages of sin is death sin is done faith in Christ so Jesus said take this and eat this is my body given for you remember and he said this cup symbolizes this agreement I have new agreement new covenant take it Savior, would you guys stand up? Isn't he wonderful? Sing it out. Sing, bow down before him.
I mean, this is such a great thing. Um, hey, I want to thank you all for coming. We're going to finish in just a moment with a final song. Um, a couple things, though. Um, we have people that are there to pray for you if you need someone just to pray for you over there in that room there. Make sure you take advantage of that um, just to talk to somebody. Questions about faith, salvation, um, anything about Jesus, we're here for you. You can talk to somebody back in the Welcome Center as well. Um, Buckets are going to be passed in just a moment. This goes to make this ministry happen and go and flow. And so thank you all for your giving, for your generosity, and uh, um, um, it, it works. It does make a difference. Hey, God bless you guys. We will see you next weekend, one service. Remember that. Come and park well. So anyway, let's do it.